Wonderful. Well, good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Am I coming through? There you go. And if you're watching online, good morning. Can you turn to someone and say, happy Be Late for Something Day? <laughs> Did you know it was happy Be Late for Something Day? Um, or you can say to them, happy Cheese Pizza Day. More importantly, happy World Charity Day. There you go. I hope you're joining in at home. Um, and my favorite one, Happy World Samosa Day or Samosa. Who says Samosa? Yeah, yeah. Who says Samosa? The Lord help you in your... Yeah, no, I'm just joking. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we went down um, and had church kind of near the beach in West Mersey. And I tasted Manny and Beatrice's Samosas. They were great. They had dialed down the the temperature for me. Uh, well, it wasn't for me. It was theirs. I just stole one. It was great. Um, yes, apparently it's World Samosa Day. Uh, my name's Hugh, and it's great to have you with us. If you're a guest, wonderful to see you for the first time, and some friends who've been away for a little while. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 10. We'll come there in a moment. We'll come there in a moment. Um, but I'm going to pray, and then we are going to uh, dive in. Lord Jesus, we... Come to your word now, and we come to you not because we've got nothing else to do on a Sunday, but because uh, in some way, shape, or form, we are hungry and thirsty to uh, be shaped by you, to encounter you, to hear from you. And so we, as best as we can, we position our hearts to uh, do that, to receive from you, to so come and help us. <laughs> we've got so much in our hearts and minds. So many longings, so many resistances, things going on. We need your help. And I pray you'd help us listen and help me speak this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, despite what I said to you, Roy, I'm going to start by saying it's a new season, isn't it? Who likes new seasons? September and January. Uh, not for all of us. They're generally natural seasons. Has anyone done their calendar planning yet? Well done, Graham. Has anyone planned their Christmas yet? No. Some have. Don't be shy. Put your hand up, Coralie. There you go. Some of you have planned your Christmas already. Some of you have put all your dates, and I do this. So Claire and I sit down. It's the worst night of the year for her, but it's my favorite night. We sit down, and we calendar right through to Christmas. Um, our calendars are quite varied, so we need to do that. And some of us have put into our calendar time our work commitments, our term dates, our special events, our deadlines, times away, holidays, date nights. So if you're really responsible, if you happen to be married, or if you're with housemates, housemate nights, have you planned those? Married couples, plan your date nights. You should go out. I encourage you to go out. Lots of babysitters in the church. One incentive to get to know them. So hang around after church. People love to babysit. Uh, Christmas plans, serving commitments. If you're super spiritual, you've scheduled in all your serving commitments or your team leaders sent you the rotor so you don't have a choice. Um, some of us have put in our leisure pursuits, family, friends, and maybe church. Others of us have done budgets. Have you done a budget? No. What? If you don't have a budget, you should have a budget because Christmas is only three months away. You should have a budget anyway. Has, has anyone done budgets? Good for the term. Good. Your income, your expenditure, your savings, your investments. These are all good things and they help us to steward our lives. And many of us have got a few other things. But there is something glaringly missing from those things if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian and you're just looking in, welcome. It's a thrill to have you with us. Our hope is that you meet with Jesus today. But there's something glaringly missing that 
despite being 40 years old and have been a Christian for a lot of those years, I still have to remind myself, often after the fact, of putting in it as a priority in my life. And I'm not talking about your devotional time, okay? That would, that's a good one. That's part of your time. But it's something that we also miss when we read Scripture. So we're going to read from John chapter 10. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on screen. But I encourage you, if you have your Bible, open it with you. We've got some expired judges' notebooks outside. If you want a notebook, we didn't get through all of them in our series. And you learn, all the studies show you learn more when you make notes. So um, if you want a booklet, Graham is subtly going there. And you can wave and he will get you one. So I'm going to read from verse 9 of John chapter 10. Jesus is here speaking about himself, about his ministry. Some of you are resisting going, oh, not this verse again, because you know it's uh, one of my favorite verses. In fact, it's quite a shaping few verses for us as a church, because in these verses, Jesus, pop your hands up if you want a notebook, Jesus explains the kind of Savior, the kind of God that he is. He explains and gives a flavor for how he outworks his ministry. And in it, we have a good example of what the local church and how Christians should express themselves. In these verses, you have the heart of God and you have something of the way that God goes about his mission. Um, our, our, our mission here at Redeemer is to lead people to discover fullness of life by helping them find and follow Jesus. It's not unique. We've worded it nicely because we feel these scriptures speak to us. But it's the mission of every single church and every Christian in the world. So I'm going to read it. I want you to pay attention to what you would take away from this. So if you're not used to having devotion time, you're not a Christian, you would read some scripture probably, you think, what is God speaking to me? What strikes me? And I think we glaringly miss something, and I certainly do. So let's read from verse 9 to 11, and then jump through to verse 14 through to 16. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He's contrasting himself with the leaders of Israel at the time who were self-serving and will put burdens on people. He says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We've been rejoicing in Jesus because he's laid down his life for you and me. That's why Tom says hallelujah about 15 times in two minutes. It just means praise the Lord because when it grips your heart freshly what Jesus has done for you, you just want to praise him. It's a good thing, Tom. It's a good thing. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 12, the hide hand, sorry, Go back to verse 10. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in. Can you say abundance? Well, the good old NIV says fullness of life. That was probably my favorite version. That would be my story. We probably all have stories of how life has been stolen from us. Something's been killed. Something's been destroyed. But Jesus came that you might have fullness of life even in the midst of that. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jump to verse 14. I am the good shepherd. Are you getting the idea? <laughs> He's a shepherd and he is good. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one Shepherd. So I asked you to be attentive to what maybe would strike you in those verses. I don't know what you thought of. I think it's hard for me to get past <laughs> just verse 9 and 10 because that will be something of my story. I don't have a Christian family background at all, broken family. Dad was alcoholic. Grandma was alcoholic. Probably should be done that. But Jesus, hallelujah, he's come and he's 
given me life in all its fullness. It hasn't been plain sailing since then. There's been a lot of it, but in the midst of it, some of you will know the psalm in the valley of the shadow of death. He's, he's been there. Some of us would know that testimony. Others of us need that. So I don't know what strikes you in this. Is it the fact that God's a good shepherd? And we've got so many examples of how church sometimes and leaders like ourselves at times can put burdens on people and say, do this, do that. And your idea of God's leadership or fathering of you is that he's not good. Maybe your idea is that he's not a shepherd, but he's a taskmaster. We come with all sorts of ideas depending on our personality and our background. But I think we miss one of the ways that you experience fullness of life and in its abundance out of these verses so just quick show of hands, who would have said verse 16 is the most exciting and striking verse out of these? <laughs> Maybe some of us. Tom gave it away at a bit at the start of the meeting, saying what I'm going to be preaching on. But sometimes I think we can miss it because verse 16 says this. And listen to the tone of it. I'll read verse 14 through. I'm the good shepherd. I, owe, I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And Jesus would. He would lay down his life. But, or some translations say, and. It's almost like there's an urgency in Jesus. And, or but, this is good. I know my sheep. We're, we're a flock together. We're a community. Can you say community? Community. But. Can you say but? Or and. And. So that is good. And we don't minimize that. But it's not just that. And some of us have been in contexts where church is all about us. <laughs> and it's all about community. It is all about community. And, or, or but. And Jesus, this great beautiful shepherd says, I lay down my life. This isn't just casual. I know my own. They know me. And, or but, I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there'll be one flock and one shepherd. Just a bit of context. Obviously, Jesus is saying it's not just the Jews. There's also going to be non-Jews, Gentiles who are going to come in. And there's going to be this one multi-ethnic, multi-national cultural church that is the body of Christ. That's specifically the context Jesus is saying. But you and I fall into that latter category, most of us. We are the outsiders. And I want us to look because when we think of Sharing the gospel. And that's what I'm talking about at the start of the year. How many of us in our priorities have made the major question, as we've done calendar or even budgets, how can I leverage my life to share Jesus with other people? We didn't do that when we did calendar time, did we? I think it's the most glaringly obvious thing we miss. Because if God loves you as much as he says he does, why hasn't he taken you to heaven? It's a very obvious answer. It's because he has something for us to do on earth. It's to share the good news of Christ so that many, many, many others would come to be part of the sheepfold. So therefore, the primary, I would say, reason we are here on earth is to share Jesus with the world. So if you're not a Christian, that's why we do what we do. That's why we arrive up early, do this, set it up, so in the best way we feel we can, we can communicate Jesus to you. He has a purpose for your life, and that primarily centers on honoring and glorifying him. And I think the main way we can do that is see other people come to find and follow Jesus. And I think it's in doing that that actually we experience part of this abundance of life. There is nothing like speaking 
with someone about Jesus and them giving their lives to Christ and having their sins washed away and their destiny moved from hell to heaven and the wrath of God poured out on Jesus willingly and them accepting that once and for all. There is nothing like that. It's been a long time since I prayed with someone who gave their life to Christ, particularly on a personal level outside of church. When was the last time you had the wonder and privilege of that? Now, some of us are giving ourselves to that every day. Parenting is one example of that. Being a good witness with our lives is one example. But this abundance of life, I so often think it's being with my Christian friends. That's part of it. Enjoying peace and love and joy. That's part of it. But the adventure and the wonder of seeing people one to Christ is how we experience something of abundance of life. I think it's the glaringly obvious thing we miss most of the time. So as I look for the next few months, how... Where has God positioned me? And what's my life like that God can use me? Now, as soon as we start talking like this, a lot of us feel a sense of pressure. Anyone feeling pressure or discouragement because we've tried to do this for many years or awareness that our hearts, I know this is right and important, but I just, it's something that doesn't come naturally to me. And we can begin to feel a sense of, a sense of pressure, or some people are like, isn't this glaringly obvious? What are the rest of you doing? This is what we do all the time. Well done for you. David Livingston, for many of his faults, he burnt with a passion to see the gospel preached to people. And on his gravestone, this is the verse that's written there. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheepfold. And, and that's what made him go again and again as a missionary, particularly to Africa, And just that we miss in our calendar priorities, I think when we read scripture, we can miss the urgency and the wonder of sharing the gospel with Jesus. But we get hesitant because there's a pressure. It's not always easy. Life's quite busy and full. Our lives are busy during calendar and we hadn't quite thought through all of this. But there are some beautiful promises just in this little verse that actually take the pressure off and build the sense of excitement and anticipation in this. And maybe you're looking in, not as a Christian or watching online. You think this, this, is, this is how Jesus is zealous for you. So have a look. Jesus says, I have. Can you say have? There are definitely. I have. I not might have. I hope to have. There are people that do not know yet Christ that Jesus has. I have others who will come, whom God has chosen before the foundations of the world, that they would come to believe and know him. It's assured. Jesus says, I have other sheep. <laughs> there are thousands of people in Colchester and hundreds between us and our spheres of influence that are appointed to be saved. What else does Jesus say? I must bring them. Can you say must? Do you, do you feel the sense of compulsion in Jesus? He's saying, we're this flock. I know my sheep and they know me. Community, but mission. I, 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 I must do it. There's an urgency. It's the very reason I came to seek and to save the lost, Jesus says. I've come for those who need a doctor, no, not those who are sorted out and it's all, it's all good. I've come to seek and to save the lost. I must do it. There's a sense of urgency and then there will be. Do you get the sense of assurance? The mission of Jesus is not in any doubt of it. So then you ask, then what's the point of us doing anything? Why do we bother to share the gospel if, this is, if Jesus is doing it and it will happen? Well, notice what Jesus says. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Now, God doesn't need you and I. Many of us would have heard of stories 
particularly in Islamic nations where Jesus is appearing to people at the end of their bed and they are giving their lives. The Iranian church is growing at an unprecedented rate. People are encountering Jesus supernaturally. Jesus can do that and he does. But when you and I ask, what is the purpose of our life? It's to tell them about Jesus so that they will listen. It's the ordained way God shares the gospel. How will they hear unless somebody tells them? So you're like, okay, how does Jesus get these other sheep that he must bring? Well, he sends you and I in this glorious privilege that we have to share the gospel. So at the start of this term, as we start to fill our lives with so many things, we must (laughs) bring people to Jesus. There are people who will come to Christ. They will listen, but we need to share. So I hear you ask, how? (laughs) So how do we do this? Okay, I'm convinced intellectually my heart's trying to catch up. All I can think of at the moment is poo and nappies and bedtimes or work and job and keeping on top of the housework or whatever it might be. That's real life, isn't it? In so many ways, not for you, Graham, that's all right, but for everyone else, (laughs) there is some other stuff going on. So I guess the question, and so at Redeemer, what we try to do as a corporate family is try to equip us in different ways. Now, we all have different ways of doing it, and we talk about who's your one. So you can turn to the person next to you and say, who's your one? Or yourself, maybe. So we, this is, we preached a series on this a little while ago, because quite often, when we think about evangelism, we can be overwhelmed and think about so much to do, when really... A lot of what it boils down to day to day is one person, one by one. We want the grand scale. I hope hundreds of unbelievers come to church en masse and we see big things happen. But then 90% day to day for most of us is one person, one by one, who we are deliberate in sharing the gospel with. And so there's a website there, forward slash one, where you can get the resources There's a place where we would love you to just give us the name of your one. I'll explain a bit more so we can pray for them. And also to share us a bit about your story of your one. And if you're not a Christian, maybe you're your one. (laughs) We had life group once and we had some friends there who weren't Christians. And and we're asking who's your one when we did the series. And the the gentleman said, I think I'm my one. (laughs) I was like, okay, great. I think I need to work out who Jesus is. I need to be working there. And there's kind of three ways... As a broad overarching thing, we work this out as a church. So the first one is that we have a defined culture. So we express this with the phrase community on mission. Because somehow we think we need to choose. We're either going to be a church that's strong in community, or we're going to be a church that's on mission all the time, and community is like this thing that gets in the way because we have to be nice to each other while we're on mission. No? I, I don't think you choose. The Bible's full of both. Jesus says, I have this flock. They know my voice, but I have others. You need to be part of the flock. So that's one of our phrases, community on mission. Because actually community is missional. By your love for each other, the world will know. So some people have joined our church because we have international flags up in the hall and they've seen pictures. You think, what? People have come and said, well, we see something that you're not just about yourselves. It communicates something. But you're clearly a community. And The community speaks of Jesus. We all play different parts. Some of you are great at sharing the gospel. Like when someone says, tell me about Jesus, you are there. And in two minutes, you've given the most precise gospel presentation that covers sin, hell, heaven, wrath, judgment, glory, grace. And the person says, I want Jesus in my life. Some of you are great at that. Others of us, 
we're like really good at cooking. <laughs> and think, I can put on a meal and a spread where you come and your heart is warmed and you get to chat to that person. Yeah. Others of us have a gift of service and you facilitate those connections happening. There's a myriad of ways that we do it. It doesn't take away from the fact that we all need to actually directly share the gospel at some point and be equipped in season and out season to do that. And that's a huge provocation for us in our own way. So we talk about defined culture, community on mission. So we work really hard on community, but we try never to be in-looking and think the reason we're enjoying this love is because Christ loved us first. And then secondly, we talk about daily habits. So what do you and I give ourselves to meaningfully every day that means that we can see the gospel spread? And that's where who's your one comes in. And we have a bunch of resources on the table as you go out, as you go out there. So there's a, there's a little bookmark. And it's got daily readings for 30-odd days. We, these are verses specifically that you can read and then pray that are about evangelism. You can grab one of these, which I'll explain a little bit more. You put the name on, on your fridge or somewhere to remind you of your one. There are these 40-day devotionals, which are just wonderful. They're all about how God's heart is for people. You can journal through them. You can read through them every single day. And then there's a 30-day prayer guide. Okay? And lots of resources for you. You take it. There's a bit of scripture, and then there's a prayer for you. So if you struggle praying, you think, oh, what do I pray? You've got to pray every day. It'll take you two minutes. I encourage you to grab these resources as you go when you leave. And then we try to equip you with deliberate tools, okay? So some of you have been around for a while. You've heard about the three circles, which we'll explain more of in time. Some of you know the bridge, two ways to live, the Roman road. These are all different ways of specifically sharing the gospel. It's not an exhaustive list. We all do it slightly differently. Just a heads up, save the date. Saturday the 9th of October, we have a part of our evangelism advance. We shared a bit of our vision last year under the acronym BLESS, Building Strong, Leaders Raised and Released, E is Evangelism Advance, S is Serving the Poor, and the other S is Starting and Sending. So for evangelism advance, equipping us, on Saturday 9th of October, we're going to have a morning, afternoon of equipping, where we'll particularly look at the three circles, we'll get out on the street, but there'll also be some other equipping there, which Al will be heading up, and we've got um, some friends coming in to do that. So that's just a flavor of how, because often that's the question we ask. <laughs> I'm convinced, how do I actually do this? It's a flavor of how we do it together, although many of us will have other different things. So as we think about this, who's your one, we talk about five eyes. okay? Can you repeat after me? So identify, intercede, fancy biblical name for ask, cry out for, plead for, invest, intentional, and invite. They're pretty self-explanatory. Identify who is amidst all, you don't have to be refined to one, but at least one. And who's this one person you'll commit to pray for every day? Identify, you pray, can we just go back one? Pray for every day, identify, intercede. That's, that's kind of the pray. So the identify is you pray and ask God who. The intercede is you pray for them every day. Use the booklet if you're not sure how to pray. If you pray for someone every day, the chances of them coming to know and love Jesus <laughs> are much, 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 much greater. Thirdly, invest. Think about how you can create opportunities to form relationships with them. So an example, when I moved to Colchester five years ago, I didn't know anyone. My wife and I started what was now Redeem in our living room. Uh, ben and Mika, Ben is also part of the Leash Room, they moved to join us. And we thought, how can we create opportunities to get to know people? So Ben and I play 
hockey. So we joined the hockey club. That's something we could do and partner together. And I'll share you a story of what that's come to recently. But create opportunities with friendships that you have. This is where our calendar planning and for some of us our budget planning. If I'm going to the pub every month and I'm buying a round of drinks, you know, that's going to, some of you are like, one round stingy. Yeah, okay. It's fine. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then thirdly, intentional. So look for specific opportunities how you can bring the gospel into your conversation and relationship. And then fifthly, invite. Yes, to church. Yes, into your community. But ultimately, invite them to come to know Jesus by sharing the gospel with them. But I just want to talk about identify today in the last five minutes. So identify. Some of you, someone springs to mind straight away. This is the person that I want to focus and pray on for this year. Others of you are like, I'm just not sure. And sometimes it's really helpful for us to think about our spheres of connection. Okay? So for most of us, we have three major spheres. The first is our work or our daily routine. Okay? Most of us have something of a sphere there. Another sphere is home. Many of us, the home environment is a sphere. Maybe that's our children. And then connection points would be another sphere. So for example, our leisure pursuits and our neighbors. Can we just go back one mic for a moment? So think about your family, friends, neighbors, colleagues, classmates, connection points and settings where you're going to have the opportunity to do this meaningfully. This is what it looks like generally for me. <laughs> I'm slow on this. Um, so I, in my three spheres here, so you can see in the first one, my work or my daily routine. Well, I work in the church, <laughs> so it's quite hard. So 90% of my time is working with Christians, um, which is wonderful. It's a privilege. And access what I love. I love walking alongside people and seeing them grow in Jesus. And I've had to learn the wonder of uh, mission and evangelism. Um, but for some of us, it's school run and it's other parents at school. Haircuts. Who's got a good relationship with a hairdresser? Man, I really try, but I don't speak Kurdish. And all the barbers around me, so I need to try and learn a language or something like that. That is a captive audience. So think about our daily routines. Some of you are like, I don't ever get my hair cut. I don't have hair. Find something else, okay, that, that suits your routine. Apologies if I'm offending you. Um, and then, um, so home, obviously children is a primary discipleship-making environment. And as parents, we need to be asking, how can I help my child come to find and follow Jesus? And being as deliberate with that as we are elsewhere. And then connection points. So for us, that would be neighbors. Um, and hockey. So one of our neighbors' daughter um, recently got bone cancer, and she had to have a leg amputated all quite quick. And we've talked more about that. I'm yet to. I should have offered to pray so many times. Um, I'm learning that, but we have far more conversation now. And church comes up a little bit, and so we're trying to build on that. And then hockey. So Ben and I have played at a hockey club for five years. We've probably had about six people from the hockey club, which is just over there, come to church to check us out because we've invited them or something, and we've built various relationships. And it got to the point last year, I think, we've built great relationships. I now just want to have a context to talk about Jesus a bit. So I just I messaged on our WhatsApp group, the, the club, and I said, guys, I want to go through a book, and I want to hear your thoughts on Christianity. I said on the group, I'm blatant, of course, I'd love you to come to know Jesus, but this is mainly about listening. So every month since then, five guys, we have a beer and a sausage, and we go through a book. Um, well, that's what the guy does. He cooks sausages, and we have beer, and um, lots of crisps. And we go through, uh, some of you all know Tim Keller's Reason for God, just as a starting point, and then they talk about how they wrestle with that issue in faith, and 
often it ends up that I get asked lots of, lots of questions. I am learning a lot, which is what I wanted to do, but it's a context where we can take the next step. So what does that look like for you? In your spheres, who is your one? Some of you want to write that down now or you want to think about this. This resource will be available on the website when we are finished. So that's just the identified. So as we start this year, when I look out here, I think at least half of us weren't here a year ago. And uh, many of us might say we're Christians. Others would say, well, I kind of got a Christian background, but (laughs) I'm trying to work out how Jesus comes first in my life and counting the cost of that. Um, Others of us say, I don't know Jesus. Maybe you're watching online. And I want to find out. Listen, our heartbeat is that you come to know Jesus. Okay? And as he fills you, then your heart starts to change alongside these things. And the fuel for all of this, as we come to an end, I wonder if the worship team can come up as we'll come back to worship, is going back to these verses. Because if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you are probably intellectually convinced. But sometimes we're not internally compelled. And anytime there is a lack of love, a lack of heart, a lack of affection, a lack of thinking of others in our hearts, sometimes there's a little bit of, uh, come on, let's just sort ourselves out. But most of it is that we haven't received. We haven't spent time dwelling on the gospel and the wonder of what Christ has done for us. That's why the Psalms, and that's why we sing, and the Psalms are so often about thankfulness. Because as you are thankful, as you meditate on the truth of what Christ has done for you, you go from this place of what I do, and I think it's many people's experience, I know this. Okay, it's grabbing my heart. Man, he took me from the depths of my sin and he set my feet upon a rock. Man, my life was stolen, killed, destroyed. This should have been my trajectory. This was my trajectory, but Jesus has come in. You know, I was wrestling with that thing and it was tearing my life apart. But, but God, as you dwell on that, as you meditate on it, your reservoirs are full, then you give up. Anytime there's a horizontal deficit, we need to first go back to vertical because freely you've received and freely you give. And Jesus says this. He says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and out and find pasture. That's what it is to follow Jesus, is to find pasture <laughs> and is to be saved. If you're not a Christian, I want to pray with you today. If you're ready to say, hey, I want this good shepherd to be my shepherd, to be the Lord of my life. I'm lost without him. I realize I've fallen short. I don't fully comprehend, but I need help. I need a savior. I'm going to pray with you in a moment if you're watching online or you're watching after the service. For many of us here who are Christians, I just want to, as we come to communion, we're going to share communion. Hopefully you got this if you want to join in. Um, If you didn't, pop your hand up and someone from the hospitality team will um, grab you some communion. Um, If you want to call yourself a Christian, this is something for Christians to do as we remember the the death of Jesus. We'll break the bread, the wafer. We remember the, the broken body of Jesus. We take the wine, juice. Remember the blood shed by Christ. And we're called to, in this moment, it's a beautiful thing, communion. And we're doing it a lot more as a church. The challenge of that is it becomes familiar. But if we don't do it, the challenge is it just becomes something that we occasionally do. So it's for us as individuals to, in this moment, remember. And it, it doesn't have to be heavy and somber, although it's weighty. We're remembering what Jesus has done. And in doing so, we also remember what that means for us. Therefore, it's wonderful. And so if you want a Christian, this can be an opportunity for you to right now say, Jesus, 
I believe your body was broken and your blood was shed because of my sin. And you bore the wrath of God, the just wrath of God towards all wrongdoing that I now am free. And as Christians, as we investigate ourselves, we think, Jesus, despite all you've done for me, I'm still stubbornly so often about me. My heart's hard. I don't have enough compassion. I have other priorities in my calendar and my time. Forgive me. As a glorious thing, he comes and I pray today as we do this by his Holy Spirit, he will come and soften our hearts and do something we can't do. We can conjure this up. It'll last a week or two. So Lord, as we break bread, as we drink this wine, we remember you. We remember your body broken, showing us the weights the impacts, the consequence of our sin. Say thank you. We don't have to endure that, Jesus, now or ever, because you did it on our behalf. And as we remember Jesus, Holy Spirit, we ask you, (laughs) to come and awaken our hearts to the wonder of what Christ has done, fresh for the first time. And Lord, as we drink the wine and the juice, we remember your blood shed says that we're cleansed whiter than snow. A blood that affirms that Christ will have all who are His. It is effectual. And we remember that and we rejoice in consciences washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Today, you can be a brand new person if you do not know Jesus. And as Tom said at the beginning, you could be feeling like the worst Christian ever. You don't have to have a week of getting it right. You have to have a moment where you come and you trust and you rely on Jesus and He will help you get it right more and more. Let's stand together. We remember you, Jesus. (laughs) We love you. You are so, so good to us. So, so good. I want you to start to do that now. Let's just just tell Him. Help in our hearts. Said, remember, Lord Jesus, I thank you. You've taken me from darkness to the kingdom of light. Thank you. You've taken me from being a slave to sin to now being a slave to righteousness. You've taken out a heart of stone and you've given me a heart of flesh. Thank you. You've taken me from miry clay that entrapped me and you've set my feet upon the rock of Christ, the unshakable one. I thank you. You said, There is grace today. How much more, if you've given your son for me, will you not give us grace for today? We honor you. We bless you for the past acts, for present power by your Holy Spirit, and for future hope and anticipation. And we ask you, Jesus, that as a result of today, I want you to name someone in your hearts. They might not be your one, but they might. Just name them now. I pray that because of today, this person, this person will come to know you and follow you and discover fullness of life. And everybody said, let's worship.